Um, If you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 3, beginning with verse 23. Luke, chapter 3, beginning with verse 23. So now, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. And at this part in the sermon, I'd like to ask if there's anyone that would like to read for a little bit. Because <laughs> you know what's getting ready to happen? <laughs> Absolutely. The son of Joseph. Joseph, the son of Heli or something. We got, we're going to keep these rolling, Jill. Keep them just rolling. Next slide. There we go. Uh, Matt Hat, Levi's 501. And, you know, and then... Because let's be honest, y'all start reading, and then you get to this part in the scriptures, and you just skip over this section. Don't you? Don't lie, you're in church. Malachi and Janai and Joseph. Yes, Joseph, we got one right. Uh, and Marius and Amos and Nahum and Elsii and Nagai. Joe, you got to be quicker. There we go. There we go. And Matt and Matthias and Simeon and Joseph and Jodah. And Jonan and Rishna and Zerubbabel and Sh- no no Shilalan and Neri and, and Melki and Adidas maybe Adidas his cousin Cosmo uh, Elimenin hey what should we name our son Err I don't know what do you think we should Err let's go with that and Joshua and Eleazar and Joram and uh, another Matt hat. Uh, uh, wait, hold on. You've started all over again. You're playing tricks with me now. I know. Is that the same people? Okay. Well, then keep going. And Levi. <laughs> and Simeon and Judah and Joseph and Jonah and uh, El- <clears throat> and Melchizedek and and Matadat and Nathan and David. Sweet. Jesse, Obed, Boaz, Salmon, Nation. And then a bunch of other people, right? I'm not going to keep going. But, like, you get to this part, and you're just, like, if I was the writer of this book, and you're getting ready to write the greatest story ever told, it's kind of like screenwriting 101. You don't really start a story like this. You don't start a story with the part that's going to just, come on, it's kind of bore you, where you just, every, all the people are just going to skip this part. Like, have you ever watched a commercial and guys, maybe it was a, a truck commercial, and what do they do? They show the trucks like hauling heavy machinery, jumping over stuff, or fast cars going around, you know, fast and furious, sliding around the turns. Like you're ever going to do that, but just to know, hey, if you buy this car, you too have the ability to do this. Like they don't start the car commercial with, hey, would you like to buy our truck? It has a Machined metric 2.7 leather seat shipped from China. Like, that doesn't make it exciting. Like, no. You know, like, so, so he, like, he writes this, and he's like, Luke, you don't start a story off like this. People are going to skip these names. But here's what's important. Because remember, if we were to flip back at Luke chapter 1, when he's first starting off, he says, he says this, listen. I'm writing to this Theophilus so you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. He says, listen, 
I've investigated everything from the very beginning. I've investigated everything from the very beginning so that you could be certain of this truth in which you've been taught. And so this is important. So there's this list of names. Listen, he goes back thousands of generations here. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time remembering my kids' names. I'm like, Kobe, Reese, whichever one you are, get over here. Like, right now, who in here could tell me who their great-great-grandpa is? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) And rejected. Sometimes you just lob it up and it just gets rejected. Great-great-great-great-great-grandpa. Oh, man. All right, just, just, just act like you don't know who that person is. Okay, but one, one out of all of us. Like, he investigates this. And so when you're reading this list of names, this, this is not disputed. This is, you know, some people say, oh, listen, oh, you believe in the Bible. Really? I mean, that's just a bunch of different made-up stories and folklore and all that stuff. And, and ever, ever met some of these people that just think, oh, man, the Bible, you kind of, man, I'm more of a science person. You know, you can't prove it with science. Like, your faith, like, like no, R- Luke writes this. And he gives this history. He said, listen, this is undisputed. Like, you could go back and you could look at the record. Even for some of these people, listen, you, you can go and you could talk to Joseph. And you, and you, could, you could talk to his dad and possibly his dad, too. You could talk to these people. And, and, and the Jewish people, they kept meticulous records. Uh, so much so that even, like, in the Old Testament, if you were in part of the tribe of Levi, the Levites got to serve inside the temple. And so for the Levites to be able to serve, they had to prove their ancestor uh, history. They had to show records and documents proving that they were from the tribe of Levi. There's even stories in the Old Testament of certain men and women that, listen, uh, these men, when they went to go serve inside the temple, that, hey, sorry, you don't have your records, so you can't serve. I mean, it was that detailed, that organized. And so when we read this, there's there's a, a reality that Luke says, listen, you could be sure of this. Like, is there faith? Yeah, absolutely. And is there science? Absolutely. This backs up everything. This is undisputed. This is, this is so that you would know. And then he gives this list of names. And sometimes we can li- look at this list of names and think of them. Like, these are just kind of heroes, right? These are, no, no, no. These are just regular people. Actually, back in, in, in other people's accounts, it, they even give accounts of, listen, it's not just the, the men, but he also, they also give accounts of the women. And, and if you were to look at some of the names inside there, they would put, uh, the, the, there was the names of, uh, of prostitutes. There was the names of people outside of the, the good social cir- circles. There, was, there were the people that, like, listen, when you're putting up your family tree, they, they put in the names of the people that you want to just kind of erase. Like, oh, is that person part of your family? Uh, second, kind of, twice removed. Third. You know? You know those people. In your fam- it's your family. If you don't know those people, that means it's just you are the person in your family <laughs> that no one wants to claim. That's all that means. And so, like, there, there's this family, and there's this reality as he writes. It's like, this, this isn't a bunch of heroes. This is, this is, a, this is a, a given history of, of all these people and how the lineage has come along and it's full of all types of people. It's full of murderers. It's full of cheats. It's full of people that constantly were doing the wrong thing. It, it, it's, 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 I mean, it's a picture of your family reunion. Imagine it. What does your family reunion look like? It's like there's that one. There always is. 
And, and you know, and, and there's this, this, there's this reality as Luke writes this, he's showing this. But then there's also this thing that I think Luke's saying, listen, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, your family, your family, you belong, you belong, you are part of the family. But the thing is, some of us don't know how family's supposed to work. Some of us don't know how family's supposed to work. So I want to talk this morning about family. See, sometimes family, um, th- this um, Luke actually begins this list of people, and he begins it with this. He says, Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. And then he gives this list of people. And, th- and then it's not long after that that he says this, and in chapter 4, where Jesus gets up. He, remember, he's at the beginning of his ministry. He gets up in front of the people. He reads from this scroll in Isaiah, and it says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives to be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He says this, rolls up the scroll, sits down, and everyone spoke well of him. And they were amazed by his gracious words that came from his lips. And then they said this, well, how can this be? How can this be? Isn't that Joseph's boy? Isn't that Joseph's boy? Like, isn't that the carpenter's son? Like, didn't he fix my table last week? Like, wasn't he like roughing in a house and wasn't he like working like yeah oh yeah i got a piece of furniture built by jesus it's over here like that's the guy that we're listening to and see sometimes especially when it comes to family family can't see past well the past family can only see you for what you used to be or what society says you are see have you ever maybe maybe you've come from a past that has some mistakes has some we all do and and then all of a sudden you come into jesus you step into a brand new day a new a brand new life but then there's certain family members there's certain friends there's certain people that man they just can't see past who you used to be and and it's it well was it that her her that did all that stuff back when wasn't that him family has a hard time with this and see whether we realize it or not we all come into whether it's uh, church or jobs, society at whole, uh, whether you're just going on vacation, whatever it is, going to the movies, you, you walk into situations, you walk into life, and you have certain predispositions. You have a, a certain expectation of what you expected. Maybe this is your first time coming uh, to this church, but you walked into this church with a certain expectation of what you thought it would be like. Maybe if you went into the movie theater, you're going to walk into that movie theater with a certain expectation of what it's going to be like. And all of these things go through your mind. And it all is based on what you've seen in the past. It's all based on what you've seen in the past. And so it determines what you're expecting for the future. Um, this week, me and Alan were actually having a conversation. And we were, we were just talking and discussing some things and how we could do some different things, different Different things different? Yeah, that kind of makes sense. All right. So um, I'm describing my view of it. And Alan just kind of has this look on his face like, what are you talking about, bro? And he starts describing his idea. And I have my look on 
my face, like, bro, what are you talking about? And, and what we came to realize, we were talking about the same thing, but I had seen it done one way before. And Alan had seen it done one ba- way before. And he had a hard time seeing what I saw. I had a hard time seeing what he saw. And we couldn't kind of get past these mental blocks because we've only seen it one way. And we had to stop and say, hey, hey, hold on. All right, Alan, hold on for a second. Let me actually listen to what you're saying. Let me listen to what you're saying so I could see things from a different point of view. Alan, and, and then we went back and forth, and all, we began to see things like, oh, okay. But it, it, was, it was a battle. It, it was hard to see past what we've already seen. But here's the irony. We live in this culture, we live in this life that, man, we crave things like, man, I just crave adventure. Come on, guys. I crave something new, something dangerous, something, something that's just, man, I, I, there's something inside, especially us other guys, man, I, I, I want something, you know, there's, I'm expecting something different. I don't know what it is. I just, there's something inside that God's putting inside of me that, man, there's, a, there's something out there. And yet at the same time, with our desire for adventure, our desire for something new, we also, well, I want everything to be safe. <laughs> I want it to be predictable. And I don't want to not know exactly what the next step is. And you can't have both. You can't have both. You, you can't, you can't, man, God, I want you to do something new, God. I want, I want, I want you to, to break into my life and, and things to be different than they were in 2016. But God, I also would like you to fill up my bank account, uh, make sure I have job security. I would also like you to make sure all of my kids don't go crazy on me. I also would like you to fix my wife. I also would like you to fix my, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys shouldn't be laughing right now. And God's like, it doesn't work this way, y'all. It doesn't work this way. Sometimes we have to be willing to give up the familiar so God could give us the new. We could give up the comfort of knowing and, and expecting, like, okay, I just, I'm expecting God just to do this. And what if you expected God to do something else in 2017? What if your expectations were beyond what you've even seen? Well, I know if I do this, this, and this, it'll equal this. God doesn't work that way. See, with God, A plus B doesn't equal C. It could be A plus B equals 1492. You know, I don't know. Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And, you know, <laughs> that's just how he works. He gives you, it, he, he works in a way that it's different. And what I've come to realize is these people are looking at Jesus and j- something new is coming on the scene. And all I can say is, wasn't that Joseph's boy? Yeah, a carpenter. Yeah, savior. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And here's, here, here's a quote for you. Often the ones that know you the best can actually know you the least. Let me say that again. Often the ones that know you the best can actually know you the least. The ones that you've grown up with, the ones that you've spent hours and hours with, actually, but when you step into something new, they can't see beyond what you used to be. Isn't that Joseph's boy? And so then it begs the question, so if we go into life, if we go into uh, everything with these predispositions and these ideas of what we expect, how do we know if we're looking uh, through people, through our eyes at other people through tainted lenses? 
Because if we don't know, and we already have these predispositions, how do we know if we're doing this very thing that we're talking about this morning? And the answer is right here. It continues. So Jesus says these things. He gets up in front of the congregation. He says these powerful words. He says, listen, it's fulfilled this day. All of this is going to happen. It says the people, man, they spoke well of him. They were amazed by his gracious words that came from his lips. But then it says this. Then Jesus says, oh, yeah, I know what you guys are thinking. And then he says something they don't like. And then he says something they don't like. And it says this. And when they heard this, the people were furious. So they went from amazement to, man, this guy, to uh, two seconds later, they are furious. It says, jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill where the town was built. There they intended to push him off the cliff. From like, man, whoa, this guy's awesome to, dude, we're throwing you off a cliff. So how do we know? What happens when a person says something we disagree with? What happens when we're confronted with a moment where it rubs us the wrong way? Where we're presented with a new reality? Where we're presented with a new perspective? Is our first indication to just, well, I'm going to push this thing off the cliff. I'm going I'm to stop this thing before it ever gets started. I'm going to reject this kind of talk. I'm going to reject this person because all of a sudden they have a belief system that doesn't line up with my belief system so I can no longer hear any more of their words. I'm done with you. Defriend. You know you do that. Defriend. It's like our modern day boxing match. And, and we do that. And Jesus is, uh, th- there's a certain reality to this. And this is how Jesus began his ministry, and like you are family, and sometimes family is going to reject you. Sometimes the people very close to you aren't going to understand this new thing because you're starting something new. You're starting something brand new. You're beginning to walk in the giftings and callings that God has has done for your life, and it doesn't mean that everyone's going to be happy for you. It means some people are not going to understand, and it might be even some people might try to push you off a cliff. They might try to kill this thing that God's trying to get started in you because they can't see past the familiar. Sometimes family has a hard time seeing past the familiar. Now, if we were to back up a step, in Luke chapter 2, there's, there's not much information given to us um, in between Jesus' birth and when he starts his public ministry at the, uh, the age of 30. Um, but we are told this kind of little nugget of a story that, let me find it, 2 verse 41. Now it says, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Where, when Jesus was 12 years old, they, uh, they attended the festival as usual. So this is a normal thing. They do this every year. Now, after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. Because they assumed he's with other travelers. But when he didn't show that evening, they started looking for him among the relatives and the friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search from there. Three days later, imagine losing your kid for three days. They finally discovered him. Now, now listen, now, listen to this for a second. You know, I lose Reese for five minutes and I'm freaking out. You know, where is she? We actually had an incident in here one time where me and Devin were in here. You remember this. 
uh, me and Devin are cleaning. Reese, we didn't think she was strong enough yet to open the door. Apparently, at the age of one, you can. You could walk and then open doors. And so we're cleaning, and we had just saw her. She opens the door, gets out. We didn't see her get out of the building. And we start, where is Reese? I run around the building. I mean, we think she might be hiding somewhere. I mean, we're literally, it's probably about 45 seconds of just parental craziness, you know. And we're running. I'm about to call the police. She has gone next door and climbed the stairs on the second floor over there. And they didn't have the guardrails yet. And we're just like running, you know. And we get her. And I might have told you the story. I don't know. But we get her. And we're so happy and so mad all at the same time. I love you, but I want to beat you, child. Oh, my gosh, don't ever scare me like this again. I don't know what to do right now. Because it's your fault, but it's my fault. But I don't know. You know, but three days they lost Jesus. So, again, in between the time of Jesus' birth, Jesus' public ministry, we have this kind of nugget of a story here. Could you imagine Mary? All right, Mary up in heaven right now. All right, listen, Jesus, 30 years, this is the story that you want to put in the scriptures. Everything that I've done for you as a mom, remember all the vacations, all the trips. You want to put the story in there about me leaving you. Seriously? Come on, Jesus. Right? I mean, isn't that kind of like us as as parents, some of y'all? Like, kids, y'all don't remember the Disney trips. And y'all don't remember all the walks and the, the, the beach and all that. Like, you remember the time mom left you in the car and forgot about you. Remember that time? I mean, that's the equivalent of this. Like, and, you know, Mary's just like, can we leave that out? You know, I was a good parent. Three days, Mary. Three days. You know? And so there's this, like, psh, this happens. But here's what's amazing about this. You know, they, they, they've come here, and Jesus gets left. If we're not careful, we can leave Jesus too. Life gets busy. Life gets demanding. And what's most important can get left behind. What's most important can get left behind. See, it's, it's easy to get busy and start your day. And next thing you know, man, I haven't read my Bible all week. I haven't prayed and I haven't... I haven't sought God, and, and all of a sudden it kind of, because it, it says this, his parents didn't miss him at first. So you could start off, and, and you could, and I, I, I haven't gone to church in a few weeks, haven't read my Bible, haven't prayed, and you're not going to miss anything at first. But then it says this, it says this, Let me find it. And then when he didn't show up that evening, when things got dark, is when they, whoa, 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 where's Jesus? How often is that our story? It's not till the evening comes, till the dark night of the soul, until we get into a place of our lives of, Jesus, I don't know what to do with this situation. That all of a sudden we realize, man, Jesus, 
I left you somewhere and I don't know where it's at, where you're at. I don't know where I left you. It's all of a sudden things get bad, things go wrong, and we realize, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Man, I, I, I haven't prayed, I haven't read my Bible, I haven't been seeking him. I don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden things go down and we realize, oh, Jesus, I need you. And see, here's the thing. It, it's not that we don't love him. And see, we could like beat ourselves up. And this is, for the most part, what's happened to a lot of us. It's like, we, we've done this. We, we've been like kind of good for a little bit and then something happens and then we fade away and then we're good for a little bit and we fade away. We've all done that, okay? And then we kind of want to beat ourselves up because, man, well, God, I, I knew I should have. And, and, and see, here's the thing. It's not that you don't love him. It's not that you don't love Jesus. Here's the thing. It's that you didn't love him first. It's that you didn't love him first. See, we've got to put him first. And this is what I've learned. When we put him first, everything else begins to line up. And see, we're so, we get so busy. We get so just with the, the demands of life, the demands of our jobs, and the, the, of good things, of good things, that all of a sudden we don't seek him first, and all of a sudden, well, our job becomes first, or these bills become first, or this marriage becomes first, this relationship becomes first, and things begin to fall apart when Jesus isn't first. And what happens is, we just try to like work really hard on our marriage. We could try to work really hard at being good parents. We could try to work really hard at being good employees or whatever it is. And we're wondering, why am I so frustrated? Because if Jesus isn't first, nothing else is going to work right, no matter how hard you work on it. But here's the thing. When you put him first, all of these other things will be added unto you. All of a sudden, I don't know why, but my, my marriage is starting to get better. My relationship with my kids are starting to get better. I don't know why, but I'm able to handle the stress a little bit better at work because I'm seeking him first. You with me? When we seek him first. And here's the thing. They've lost him. They're freaking out. They're trying to find Jesus. He's in the very place that they were going in the first place. It says, and Jesus was at the temple teaching. And his parents took this trip to go here to Jerusalem, to the temple, to worship, and to celebrate this festival. They were at the, he was at the very place that which they were going the whole time. Jesus hasn't left. He's right there. If you're wondering, where, where God, where are you? He's right there. It's not that he's, he, he's saying, listen, I love you. I'm right here for you. This, I don't care what you've done. Just, just come here. Just come home. Don't you know I've got to be about my father's business? He's right there. It doesn't matter. There's this, uh, there's this interesting story in the Old Testament. Um, these two brothers, uh, Jacob and Esau. There's this moment where Esau is just, you know, he, he's been working. He's tired. And he comes up to Jacob and he says, Jacob, l listen, I'll sell you my birthright for a bowl of soup, not even good soup, lentil soup. I mean, I don't know if y'all have had lentil soup. There's a reason why I ain't a number one seller. <laughs> you know, I at least got some chicken noodle or something out of them, you know, get some meat in there. But some lentil soup, he says, like, I, I, I'll sell you my birthright for this lentil soup. How many people know you make dumb decisions when you're tired? 
you make dumb decisions when you're tired and stressed out. And, and man, when you just, and hungry, yeah. Just the other night, I mean, I'm asleep. I'm, I'm fast asleep. It's, it's probably 3 o'clock in the morning, and I wake up <laughs> to a 5-year-old girl. Dad! I almost cussed. It was like, like, whoo, Jesus, take the wheel. Baby, I'm tired. You could have gotten hit. I mean, I don't know what happens at that early in the morning. I'm like, go to bed. And I'm like, kind of like, you know, go. I'm the firm voice. And then she goes, and then she's kind of crying, and I feel bad. You make dumb decisions. You say things you don't really mean when you're tired. I guarantee you, guys, some of y'all have had the worst fights with your wife because you were tired. You said some things that you regretted. It had nothing to do with her. It just whatever you went through, you released it on her. We've, we've done it. We've made these decisions. We get in a rush. Before we know it, Jesus gets left behind. And here's what I propose. Maybe a new perspective. See, for a lot of us, Sunday has become the end of the week. And Monday has become the start of the week. What if Sunday was the first day of the week? Like it is. But spiritually, in your life, what if your Sunday set the pace for your entire week? What if I came to church Sunday morning because, God, I just want to let you know that this is the beginning of the week, and, God, I'm seeking you first. And, God, I'm going to put you first. And you know what? I I know I have all of these other things that I have to do and everything else that has to be done, but, God, you are first in my life. And and Sundays are restful for the most part of us. For for the most part, most of us know how to rest on Sunday. We know how to relax. We know how to get up and go a little bit slower. What if your whole work week was the same pace as Sunday? What if you could go to work on Monday and just, okay, but I'm seeking God first right now. Okay, I know I have all of these things that have to get done, but you know what? God first, and all of these things will be added unto me. Everything else. See, when God's not first, everything else implodes. It's the beginning of the week. It's the start of the week. It's the beginning of the scriptures. And it starts off with saying, listen, and at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there, from the very beginning, I want you all to know your family. Your family. Family first. God, God, I'm putting you first. I'm putting my family, family right there, right there. Uh, you know, especially with us that's involved with what I do in ministry, it's so easy for, like, the family to become, well, lost. Because we get so caught up with all the good things that we're doing that the family gets, oh, oh yeah, well, I left them back in Jerusalem. And, and we've got to, no, no, it can't be like this anymore. God wants to do something new. And he wants you to know that, listen, your family. And you're invited. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Have you been living like family? Have you been living like family? Have you been seeking him first? You know, we've all heard the parable of the prodigal son. 
And here's what could happen when you hear that story about the prodigal son and when we label it the prodigal son, you begin to think that that story is about a prodigal son. When the reality is that story is about so much more. The story is about a loving father. And the story is about another son who at the end of this story, there's a big party going on. And it says that the older son stood outside of the tent and he was mad. And he calls the father out to him. said, don't you know what this boy of yours has done? And to which the dad, he says, listen, listen dad, hey, you're killing the fatted calf for him? I've been with you all of this time and I can't even get a small goat. And this is what the father says. Don't you know that all I have is yours? You could have a party anytime you want. See, some of you guys don't realize your family, but you haven't been acting like it. And God's saying you could have a party anytime you want. You could have a party anytime you want. All I have is yours. All I have is yours, your family. The Father's arms are open wide. He's saying, listen, prodigal son, come home. He's saying, he's saying, older son, enter into the party. Come on. I want all of my family with me. I want all of my family to join in. Because you're loved. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come on.